0: Welcome back to the Thrive in EDU podcast. I am Rochelle Danae Poth, and this is season three, episode 37. And I have to say that I am really excited about this episode today because I know those of you that have been listening for a while might be surprised, but I actually do have a guest. Yes, that's right. I have a guest. A real live guest is joining me today. And I cannot wait for you to learn more about him and the work that he does. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation. So thanks for listening. And we will dive right in to not put any delay on this because I really want you to learn about who my guest is and some things that are part of conversation, we'll talk about innovation and taking risks and challenges and lots of things. And so I would love to give a warm welcome to my guest, Pat Bava, who is, well, I'll let you, Pat, tell everybody who you are, because it's always me telling everything. And it's it's nice to have you here. So let us know, what do you do? What's your role? And uh, what can you share with us?
1: Sure. Thanks. Thanks again, Rochelle. Thanks for uh, having me on. Really privileged. Uh, Appreciate you you know, reaching out and setting this up. Um, well, my name is Pat Bhava I, uh, am a professionally, I was a fighter pilot in the Navy. Uh, and then I got out about 10 years ago, built and sold a few different businesses. Um, and right now I am an ed tech and I'm the founder and the CEO of a company called pick my kid. Uh and more about that soon, but that's what I do as a full-time job now and uh, happy to chat more.
0: Yeah, well, that is fascinating about your background because that's something that I did not know, but I'm sure that it gives you, just because of all the different experiences that you've had throughout your life, a a lot of different perspectives and you you can share a lot with everybody who's listening, but when people connect with you, just to know the background that you have, that you bring to this space. Um, I have to say that I remember you and I first met a couple of years ago via, yeah. not in person, but I learned about Pick My Kid and was just amazed at like the capabilities. And now we're already, I think it's probably at three years now since we yeah, first Yeah, time spoke. flies. I mean, the COVID
1: <laughs> years just disappear in between, right?
0: <laughs> it's what everybody has been saying lately too. It's like, wait, was that three years ago, four yeah. years ago? Yeah. or You know, you kind of forget. But um, I did learn about Pick My Kid and was very excited just to have that conversation with you and to see how it was being used in schools. But now that we talk about, you know, especially the last couple of years and how they've been, I don't know, time, time gone fast or slow, but it, without a doubt, it's been busy. There's been a lot of challenges in the world for everybody, but specifically as educators, you know, me as a, a classroom teacher looking at our schools now it's the end of the school year. I know some teachers have finished, some are finishing, but what are some things that you, in your work um, and in just in everyday life that you're hearing or that you've seen or noticed about like how educators are feeling at this time of the year?
1: Yeah, now more than ever, you know, especially coming at the heels of this pandemic, you know, hopefully it is, the sun is setting on the pandemic and we are beyond the worst, uh, but really it took a toll on our educators. What we are hearing in the ground level talking to hundreds of educators on a regular basis is that they feel a little burnt out and they feel a little unappreciated for all the stuff they did to make sure that our kids don't miss a beat. You know, mm-hmm. uh, there's so much things they had to go through, the learnings they had to do, the technology they had to adapt and embrace overnight, literally uh, move from in-person to remote and then back to in-person and then mass, no mass all these things being thrown at the educators, it was really overwhelming for them. And and what we're hearing is a kind of uh, a relief at at some places, but at the same time, that overwhelming sense of, uh, oh, my God, we took on so much in the last two, three years. Uh, How can we make it, you know, not repeat itself again? How can we put systems in place? How can we, you know, uh, not make it a new norm, but, you know, move to a whole different paradigm of, Making stuff easier and more uh, acceptable uh, for for the teachers, so they have more time to focus on what really matters, which is you know being with the kids in the classroom.
0: Right. Yeah, and it's it's interesting for me to listen to you as well because you get to interact with a lot of educators in you know throughout the country of course and so you probably get to hear a lot about what teachers uh, all educators not just specific to classroom teachers are feeling and I know in my school and in, in my friend's schools that I've talked to that is something that's everybody's kind of like they're excited for the summer because it's a break but at the same time there's like sadness because you miss the kids uh, but but people are tired like it has definitely been a challenging time and do you think that you know, when we look at schools just in general, do you think this is something that has has been, you know, a feeling that educators have had ongoing like throughout the year? Or it's just kind of like right now as we're winding down this like long stretch is what it feels like maybe. Yeah. Making yeah,
1: yeah. Now, yeah now, now that you say, you know, it has always been simmering below the surface. I mean, uh, you know, teachers were always underpaid, always overworked. And, and I feel a little bit underappreciated for all they do for our kids, right? Um, so that has been always, it's, just, it's been simmering for a while and we need to do more as a society to, to really you know, do a part to make sure we empower them with technology and, and you know, make, do everything we can to improve their lives so you know, eventually the society can get to a better place, right? Uh, so it has been simmering for a while, but, but when the pandemic hit us for the last two, three years, you know, there was so much being thrown at them, you know, from all across, you know, from the parents, from the politicians, from people, from the administrators, like, hey, we want this, we want this, we want this. But nobody asked them, hey, what can, you know, how can we help? How can, you know, we empower you? And and while we are ratcheting down the pandemic, uh, again, I want us to ask our educators, like, hey, you know, first, hey, thank them for the, the whole, you know, w- the, the pain we subjected them to, uh, and they stepped up to it and and what we can do to continue making a difference and and, and incrementally improve uh, the outcomes for our children. And that can only happen if we focus on the educators on the front end.
0: Right yeah, and, and I agree with you too. like it's something that has always kind of been there to an extent and, and for everybody probably at a different level. but yeah. then with everything else that has come up, uh, it has definitely added, to it, but I'm hoping that now there's a period of time where we can kind of think through some of the things that we've been using in our classroom or what have been the challenges and maybe have a little bit more clarity on it. Uh, Also be more mindful of like taking breaks and stepping in and helping one another. But, you know, thinking about it, what do you think or what would you say have been some of like the biggest challenges or biggest pain points over maybe in the past two years or even just this year specifically?
1: So the biggest challenges I would say, you know, facing administrators, especially in the schools, is, um, you know, the great resignation. You know, what we hear about in the general, you know, in the corporate world. Uh, it's had its impact in the, in the education space as well. We see a lot of young teachers who are finding, you know, better or, 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 or alternate ways in which they can express themselves. They love teaching, uh, but, but the constraints under which they're working kind of gets them to you know, think uh, take a second chance on something else, right? So so th- it has an impact in schools wherein they are losing a lot of great teachers who've been with them uh, maybe just for six months or six years or maybe been there for 20 years. Uh, We're seeing uh, a lot of people uh, um, leaving the education space to find employment in related spaces. And I think that is having a profound impact on the way, uh, the administrators are running the schools. The second thing, uh, what, what we found is, you know, especially we focus on the, on the transportation side of things and arrival and dismissal. Uh, we also see a big impact happening due to the school bus shortages, all the regulations which have come in, uh, which, are, you know, the budgetary cuts which are happening. So invariably the districts start clamping down on number of buses and number of mm-hmm. people covered under the busing uh, uh, policy. And so we see more and more pressure being put on the teachers, the front end staff to really coordinate the bulk of the arrival and dismissals for our children, uh, which previously was, you know, was a mundane task of like, hey, the, uh, bus number 55 got in, bus right. number 25 left the campus. And it was that was that. But yeah. now there is more cars, more traffic, more grandma showing up <laughs> yeah. to pick up their children. So these are two things what we see pretty close to what we do on a daily basis. We see the 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 the, the, um, the great resignation having its impact in education, as well as the transportation congestion. Uh, and when I say transportation, I am also alluding to the associated security risk and the school safety aspects, which right. you know are are their heads every once in a while. Um, uh, so all those are in a connected kind of a, 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 a spectrum. Um, so these are the biggest challenges I I feel. Uh, what mm-hmm. we here from our stakeholders that they're facing every day.
0: Yeah, and the the shortages, uh, I mean, just across the board, and, and not just specific to education, but just everywhere. But, of course, bringing it back to education, I know I have a lot of friends who you know, they're taking on multiple roles or you know, administrators are, te- are stepping in and teaching in the classrooms and yeah. people have taken buses and driven <laughs> students home. And so there have been a lot of problems happening, happening and that does not obviously just affect the educators, it also impacts the families too, because they're part of that. And so, you know, from the, the other side, so we're all part of the same community and dealing with all of this together and supporting one another. So what is it that you have seen or heard that families are thinking or how they're dealing with some of these challenges that you mentioned? Cause I know it's like, we see it on this side, but then on the other side for families, they're experiencing it as well.
1: Yeah, for families, you know, they so we see it from both like you rightly said you know from the perch in which we we are working like we work with schools and and parents and teachers and and the school administrators but uh, when we look at it we see that uh, a, a different perspective from parents first it comes from a place of implicit faith and trust in the school system to do the best for their children for the most part all parents fall in that bucket like hey i have implicit th- trust in the education system on, on the teachers to do the right thing and to do the right thing, what's best for our kids, right? So they, they have that kind of, uh, for the most part. And then you have this uh, a small group of parents who are always nitpicking and questioning everything at school. I'm sure you as a teacher have seen your share of those parents who just barge in and, and talk about little Susie or little Johnny, like he's the best kid. And how can you say this to them? <laughs> so right. parents come from a broad spectrum. Uh, But but for the most part, we see that they uh, still the school system has incredible trust and faith in the parent community and they Mm -hmm. trust uh, their kids Uh, at the same time with the trust comes implicit uh, uh, responsibilities also in the school system to do the right thing to to because that's a huge trust to hold, you know, in your shoulder. Right. Right. And and so in, in what we do, we find school safety conversation comes up very often especially with parents and especially in the background of all what's going on, uh, while they have implicit trust, they, they want to be reinforced. They want to be involved in those conversations. Mm-hmm. They want to know that, you know, the schools have those protocols in place. They want to make sure that, you know uh, uh, the children are well looked after. Um, and so those are the concerns we see from parents from the school safety side. Um, and we get that a lot from a lot of parents.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, The biggest thing is, and we've learned this, especially in the last two plus years now, is how important that communication is and involving everybody in the decisions, um, students as well. And and finding out, you know, because just as an example, like in my school district, it's a small school district. And so some students walk to school. There are some buses because a smaller town but the concerns from parents or from students who have to walk around in a certain area and they may know that a certain area is is dangerous to cross and the school might not necessarily know that because they're not out there walking in that space. And so communicating that and so having the students involved in parts of the conversation and of course communicating with families too, providing that support and the reassurance. uh, I think you
1: touched upon if I may, uh, and what you said is that communication is the key piece like you know where the trust is shared and mutually respect uh, mutual respect and trust comes from an open line of communication so uh, you know for, for for even for educators to be connected with their with their parents as to what the children is doing and what the kids are doing in school at any point in time and more so when any emergency happens or anything like hey they got on a bus or they got on a car or or granny picked up or, or a custody issue whatever else- the case you know communication open lines of communication is vital to maintaining the trust and respect between the communities uh, within the community within the school community right and and we feel that and we see that every day because we spend a bulk of our time uh, talking to parents and talking to schools while facilitating that communication and I think keeping peace there uh, is the key to every school's success and every school being a successful uh, torchbearer in the community.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. And I was thinking about, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, oh, what can I ask? Like the next question, I have something in mind, but it, I kind of like you kind of answered it already because I was going to say, you know, we have all of these different people that are involved. And how, how do you come up with some type of a solution or how do you determine what you think would be the most beneficial? And you just answered it because it's that communication. And so, you know, that's the starting point. And I think for schools, the biggest thing, whether you're classroom teacher, administrator, I mean, anything is from the beginning of the year. And now, of course, we're after the end of the school year, although some schools are still in session because they go year round. So the conversation should still be happening. But if you are currently finished with your school year, then make sure that you have that system in place for communicating everything to families and everybody in your school community. Uh, so that is like step one of the solution. Yeah. But, you know, another component is like thinking about what Pick My Kid offers. So I'm going to transition because we're talking about, you know, getting to school and communicating with parents. Uh, and, and that wears a lot on you. I mean, just, you know, the time aspect of it, the the mental part of it, because, you know, you get the worry. the trust and all of these things. It can be emotional and there's stress involved. And so finding something that helps alleviate all of that for everybody that's involved uh, is great. But then of course, for some people like shifting to something, change can be difficult. But, uh, but anyway, when it comes to pick my kid, what makes pick my kid like help or how does Pick My Kid help with all of these kind of challenges and, and things that people might be experiencing, whether they're families, students, administrators, everybody. between.
1: Yeah, no, it's, it's. Uh, I'm glad you asked the question because, you know, I forgot to mention it earlier on as to, you know, honestly, I have no business being in ed tech. You know, I, it was a chance. Uh, I was nowhere, shape or form involved with, uh, uh, in the education space. Uh, I was in the business and I was in the Navy and I was doing other stuff. Um, until this one day I had to go pick up my daughter from school and uh, lo and behold, uh, I, I spend about 40 minutes in the car line. As I get to the front of the line, they put a different kid in my car and my daughter was missing for, you know, some time. Uh, real hair-raising moments at that time. In hindsight, you know, um, uh, it all worked out but the point is uh, it raised a lot of questions in my mind. It, it, my instant reaction was to blame the teachers, to blame the school. What are they doing? You know, all they got to do is put it. And more, I got to learn about you know what they do and what happens in school and, and and the whole process. The more I realized that you know we we as a society have failed our children uh, in providing or even our educators in providing the you know with with technology which can really solve simple mundane problems. Coming to think of it, we spend more technology and time and money in guarding milk and eggs in a grocery store than we use to during dismissals or during arrivals, right? Uh, And and to think about it, you know, your most precious commodity, your children are lined up in corridors and anybody with a car can drive by and point at a kid in the car, almost. Not really true, but you know, I'm sure schools do lots of stuff. Uh, But but we could use technology in non-obtrusive ways to make that seamless, make that easy, and give every teacher 15 minutes back so they can really focus on what matters, which is, you know, uh, improving learning outcomes. Mm-hmm. What's better than that, right? So you're not holding walkie-talkies, dodging traffic, and uh, yelling at parents. And it's a thankless job. Nobody wants to do it. Um, and today we have the technology to take that completely away. If If Johnny needs to go on a bus or a grandma has to pick up or a neighbor has to pick up, Nobody needs to wait, you know, field phone calls about that. Nobody needs to send runners to the teacher and say, hey, Johnny would be on this car and that car and sticky notes goes here and end of the day, they're all lined up. And so those are the problem statements and what Pick does coming to your question <laughs> is that we make, you know, arrival dismissal a seamless process. Uh, we use technology in innovative ways in which we can give time back to teachers and really Let them focus on what matters, that is teaching and learning for our kids. Uh, And and, and in doing so, what we realized is, though we started with automating arrival and dismissals, our schools told us that because we engaged parents in so uh, meaningful manner, that we were best positioned to even address other emergency issues which can come up at school. So organically, PickMyKid grew from being just a dismissal automation solution to being a platform where all things about school safety can be plugged into it. For example, we, we launched a, a panic button, a silent panic button, which any teacher can use for any emergency which happens. Today, we assume that only emergency is a man a gun, But no, as a teacher, I'm sure you'd appreciate, um, there are hundred other emergencies which happen in a, in a daily basis, uh, which you got to deal with, maybe not with the same call group, but with the same urgency. Maybe right. you don't have to call nine one one, but you need to call the school nurse, or you may need to call the front office. Uh, you know, a brawl on the corridor. You need to react as a teacher. So, mm-hmm. we make that really easy, seamless, and and you're able to react using technology, right? So we, that's the uh, a silent panic alarm we arm every teachers with. We also have something called um, uh, anonymous tip line, which uh, every stakeholder in the community can share confidently some concerning behavior mm-hmm. which they want investigated in a very respectful and very confidential manner uh, and we provide the framework for that to happen right so they already trust and use this product every day and they're using pick my Kids. so what better platform for them to share uh, these kind of information so so we created a a comprehensive school safety platform which schools can use without having to uh, uh, having to spend an arm and a leg right so today school safety means investments in hardware millions of dollars into cameras and you know metal detectors and all other you know hardware infrastructures what we really specialize in is to make it simple cloud-based and uh, really impactful while being inexpensive um, that's what we, we we focus on pick market.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm listening to you talk about these, these different components. And in my mind, I'm thinking about stories that I've heard friends of mine and colleagues of mine talk about, like, going to pick up their kids from school, and well, I have to be there at this time, and I have to have this placement in the car line. And if I don't, I got yelled at, or the, or the teacher was yelling at me, and I was yelling at the teacher or something. uh, And just that, that sense of urgency because you have to be there and then you get there and you sit and wait and just seeing that happen and so it is it is a lot and then even for teachers who at the end of the day I mean we love spending time with our students but then that worry you know is the student's ride coming or just you know could is a student is there a student that needs my help after school but now I'm tied up and I'm kind of like you're pulled in so many different directions anyway and then when you have something like this and then you're talking about like the panic button and I'm thinking like. In a lot of schools, they have protocols in place for all of those situations, but so often they're all different solutions. They're not all housed within one space. And so that in itself, it's like you have to stop and think like, wait, there's there's a fight, so I have to go do this or I have a student that's ill and I have to go do this, but to have something that's in one alleviates. And while, you know, of course the pushback comes that that teachers or any educator, anybody, even in work, would say, wait, I have to learn how to use this or this is something else to do. But whenever you invest that time, then you see how much time that you get back from having that one solution. It definitely makes a difference. And so it's a, a topic that I love to talk about because I just think like how innovative that is. But it comes with taking a risk. And for you, just thinking back to, you know, you talked about like waiting and your daughter and your own personal <laughs> experience, which yeah. I love about it because that gives that authenticity to the work that you're doing because you had that experience and you know what that's like as a parent. And, and I totally disagree with you saying that you don't have business being in the ed tech space because I, you absolutely do because you have all of this to bring to it and you know what the pain points are and you know what the challenges are on both sides um, and
1: we went through a learning curve on that subject right so we said yeah. okay i'm you know I, I understand it from a parent perspective but let's get teachers and educators in so our hiring right from the get go was you know we only hired our first choice was educators like teachers ex teachers principals superintendents uh, or if you've been in tech sales or edtech another tech company doing customer support uh, so almost we are like 50 people now in our team uh, more than seventy percent have been a teacher in their life at some point, so okay. it gives us tremendous insight. Not just insight, it gives us empathy, and that's something you can't teach a newbie right. who comes in a team. If you've been those shoes, if you've walked those call lines, if you've spoken to a parent in their eye and told them a child slipped and fell, I'm sorry. That brings uh, you know that's worth his weight in gold for us. That is the experience we look for, so they understand and they've walked in those shoes and they know how to solve those problems now using our technology.
0: Yeah, and you brought up a, another word that I I love to talk about is the word empathy. And how in I you know tying that back to when we started talking about like communication and that helps you to develop empathy because you have that awareness of what the experience is like for the other people and you may not have actually gone through that but listening to them tell the story like Oh well, I had to sit and wait for forty minutes, and then this happened. Or from a teacher's perspective, to really understand what it's like. And with you, with pick my kid having, you know, educators involved in it, it does add to that authentic piece that is so important because you understand the different aspects of it, the pushback that you might get, the challenges, and then you have that representation of different voices and different experiences in dealing with some of these issues that we've been talking about. And um, so I've, I'm enjoying listening to, you know, the, the background and then just the thinking and how it started and, of course, your own personal experiences as well. And so now, you know, you've been you've had this platform that you've had for many years and it's continuing to grow in the use in schools. And so, you know, thinking back to schools that initially you, you may have started with, like as they continue to use it, like what was their response? I'm sure that at first some were like, well, you know, we'll give it a try and then we'll see. But then what did you notice about like how schools and teachers responded to it once they kind of got used to it? And then it, and obviously it's grown because now you have these other features.
1: Okay. So the biggest, uh, the biggest, I, I would say the biggest tr- problem we had with when we first launched the product, uh, is called tropophobia, it's fear of change. Yes, uh, it's uh, so because they've done it in a certain way for so long. They don't know any other way. Right. Ninety nine percent of the schools today in, in our country don't have a dismissal process in place. I mean, when they say dismissal process, yeah, they have a process. They have a checklist. They have a walkie talkie. And uh, that's it. Uh, they don't use technology effectively. They don't know it could be easier. Right. So uh, one of the biggest things, uh, the fear of change. So, so we focus On getting leadership buy in. And we tell them, you know, when they come to the table for our first sales call, our first, you know, intro call, uh, we don't mince any bones in telling them that, hey, listen, change is hard. It's not that you're going to wave a wand and everything is going to be, you know, like smooth and seamless on day one. Right. We tell them it's going to take you a week to 10 days of the change of the pain period. You know, you may think that, oh my God, this is so broken. Let me go back to my old system. This won't work. Uh, And we tell them, you are going through that phase. Believe me, you are going to go through the phase and you're going to hate us in the first two or three days. But then when it clicks, you're going to be so happy. And and there were several. And now we have the luxury that we didn't have earlier on. Now we have case studies. We have third-party efficacy analysis, which actually quantifies the time and puts it in a rubric for the school leaders to see and look on everyday basis Oh yeah, I've saved you know 200 minutes today on the front office phone calls, and you know I'm enabled 700 uh, uh, car riders get on you know and, and move through move the car line, uh, reduce the car line speed by about 30 percent. Um, not reduce the speed, but increase the 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 pass through by 30 percent. Right. Um, so now we have the luxury of all those data points. But earlier on, when we started, it was really hard to convey that to the leaders. And and we said we'll never sell to anybody if the leadership is not involved on the ground level because it's it, there is change, and change means pain, and it means leadership embrace. Leadership needs to embrace that and and talk about it internally. Otherwise, we will not be successful by ourselves. Uh-huh. And we did fail a few times. We went to a few schools, and where uh, yes, they bought it as a knee jerk reaction, uh, but. Leadership was not committed, and it failed. Uh, and and we failed in several schools earlier on. Uh, and we learned from it when we saw why we failed, and because it was not implemented the right way. It was, and part of it was our our problem also that we we didn't give the right tools for the leadership to get involved. So we went through a whole paradigm of educating ourselves and educating the schools and getting them on board. So going back to your question, yes, change is hard. Yes. Uh, Change is a big, uh, big inhibitor to adopting newer technologies. But when you do it, when you're open to it, when you test it out, uh, you will see the change. Uh, You will see the benefits. And uh, end of the day, our children are much safer and we get more time to spend on education related activities rather than dodging traffic with walkie talkies what's yeah. better than that?
0: So. I know. I I have seen in passing, just driving in different school zones, I've seen the walkie talkies and the car lines and all of this. And I just, I, every time I think about pick my, kid, I'm like, I wonder if they've, you know, looked into it yeah. and I wish I could just hold up a sign and say, Hey, you know, like this, you could yeah. could work out if you gave us a try. But, but I love what you said too, just about, I mean, change is hard. And we've heard the phrase a lot, you know, that's the way we've always done it. And, I can relate to that as a teacher. Just some of the practices I use, and sometimes it comes from, you know, that's that's the only way that you know. That's the, where you feel the most confident, uh, or you're just af- afraid of failure. But there's learning in failure, and even you yourself said, you know, you tried and you did some things and it didn't go well, or or you failed, or and then you learn from that because then you just have a conversation like okay how where do we go from here so it didn't go as it planned yeah. but we can you know we can quit now and then we don't know what the benefits would have been so that's a lost opportunity or we can just keep trying and go and like revise I mean that's the process of learning uh that we as teachers try to you know get our students to realize like it's not just the end product you know like you yeah. don't just try it once and end like look at all the innovations we have in the world like where would we be if stopped after that first or second or even third try uh don't even get me started into some of those conversations (laughs) that i've had in my classroom because you know failure is scary and taking a risk is scary but whenever you can see the benefits and even if you're not sure about it just having the ability to reach out to educators and and talk to one another communicate And, you know, anybody who's listening, if you're hearing this now and you've never heard of Pick My Kid and you're experiencing some of these things in your school, go and tell somebody, talk to the administrators, talk to your teachers. uh, buddy, get the conversation started and just see what a difference it can make for your school your whole school community, because even the people who are not the teachers, the students, the administrators, the parents, I mean, it impacts the other people that live there as well. And that's a concern for them. And so it's for the greater, it's yeah. beyond just the walls of your school and that car line and everything. It's it's a lot bigger than that. So um, so much great information from you. I've learned so much and I I knew a good bit, but you're also you've given some new, new things to share that now I have to go back and check out as well. Um, but
1: <laughs> I'm always happy to. It's always a pleasure chatting with you and, 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 and it's great, you know. Um, I have to control myself to say less all the time. (laughs) Very (laughs) very conscious of the time.
0: (laughs) No, no worries. I I have to do the same thing myself because especially when it comes to things like this that are highly beneficial and have so many different ways that they impact so many people in our schools, I love to talk about them. And I get excited to share, especially, you know, like with you a couple of years ago and getting to meet in person at a conference finally and then just learning uh, as we've been talking here it's great to connect and I I love to share what I'm finding out um, and share it with others you know even parents who are listening you know you may not be a teacher but you may have children in a school or have friends who have kids in a school and, you know, just share this as well. But before we interestingly,
1: Yeah. Interestingly, you know, our single biggest uh, way in which we have grown in the last seven years, almost 98% of our inbound leads are from organic or other school or parents telling other parents and or parents having kids in a couple of schools, right? We have no outbound sales effort. We have no, people knocking on school doors or district doors selling pick my kid it has been yeah. almost 98% organic inbound so that's, wow. that that is powerful for us and we feel really uh, we feel empowered that you know we're making an impact and that's why people are coming to us so
0: yeah that that's great that's that is not something that you hear very often Uh, and, and people listening to the podcast now are going to be, they're going to learn about it and be like, wow, Rochelle actually had a conversation with somebody (laughs) and I learned about this new thing. I got to go check out I got to share this story with other people. So before we wrap up anything else that you'd like to share with anybody or where they can learn more or sign up or anything like that. Yeah.
1: yeah. So we, um, you know, of course you can go to, you know, www.pickmykid.com, um, and, Pretty informative website. We we hope there's a live chat there. You can reach out to anybody uh, out there, and they'll, they'll be happy to help you. Otherwise, you can also you know follow our social channels. We put out a lot of useful content. Uh, and 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 for your listeners, I just want to tell you that it's that you know even if you don't have the budgets, but you want to clean up your car line and make it faster, use some technology. Go to our website. On the top, you will see a link for a free car line. If you did nothing from this, uh, if there's no takeaway from uh, from this uh, talk we had today, just go to that free tool, share it with your school. They will thank you for it because that is that in itself is going to make your car line so much more efficient and you will have to use less and less of your walkie-talkies because our free car line tool is so powerful that, you know, it just changes. Uh, that's a good start for you to get into Pick My Kid, understand what we're all about. At the same time, Use some minimal technology to make your car lines go faster and also keep your kids safer.
0: Yeah. And I am glad that you shared where to get information, but for anybody who is listening in the show notes, I will put links and other details so that you can check it out. Blog posts, links to the site, anything that you need, I'll be sure to add in. Of course, you can reach out to Pat, you could reach out to me and I will connect you. Uh, Mm -hmm. But thank you so much, Pat, for being here and chatting with me today. (laughs) It has been um, a lot of fun as always to get to talk to you and to learn more about the work that you do and um, how you got started in this work, too. I think I'm such a believer in the importance of telling and sharing your stories and the difference that it makes. So thanks for your time today. I appreciate it.
1: Absolutely. Thank you. Pleasure talking to you. And uh, look forward to continuing the conversation.
0: Yeah. All right. Well, thanks everybody. And if this is your first time listening to the Thriving EDU podcast, I hope that you will go back and listen to prior episodes and continue to listen and also join our Thriving EDU community on Facebook. We stream out live on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitter every Friday. So I hope you will join us and until next time, have a great day and we'll see you later.